Hey, I'm Vicki. I'm Lynn. And I'm Bree. And we are telling on ourselves. Yep, yep. Hi, everybody. We are so glad to be back for another week. And our whole, you guys, I have to say something to the audience because we are, we are just a hot mess express when it comes to uploading and downloading and doing the things and even promoting our stuff. And I just wrote a list and I said, I'm going to create pictures of our guests and do a little nice Canva thing for every single guest. And I'm going to re-upload everyone that we've already done, like as a, midweek and and then every week we'll do it much more professionally because I think that people are missing out on some of this these really amazing guests we have like we do today um but first I get to talk about my first thought wrong and it's very embarrassing on many levels (laughs) okay so I'm dating someone now and I know it's so weird. And in February, like before Valentine's Day, was it? Um, it was Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, Brie made us do this episode that I did not want to do. And <laughs> and I, you know, I try to be, she did make us. She was like, let's do dating. And she kept saying it. And I was like avoiding it. Okay. <laughs> I did not want to do the dating episode. I don't like dating. I hate dating. I think talking about dating is annoying. I think everything about dating is annoying. So I did it. And I think I was a little salty as it turns out. And then, okay, so I started, I went on this first date with this guy and and, and note to any podcasters out there, don't tell the guy on the first date that you do a podcast, especially if you do a podcast where you talk about the shit you do in your life. Please don't do it. So on the first date, I told him. And and then the next day, he was like, he tried to be really cute. And he made this joke about the tortellini and the raviolis. And I totally didn't get it because I forgot all about Lynn's debacle with the ravioli tortellini situation. But he has a really good memory. So that's another thing I'm going to get in trouble for, I'm sure, someday. But... But, but, but um, there was an episode on dating that we had just done. And I, and then, I mean, this is how dense I can be. Then I'm like, did you listen to the dating episode? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, so it wasn't that bad. And he's like, no. So I guess he wasn't paying attention. Well, then he listened to it again. And apparently (laughs) I said some not so nice things about dating an alcoholic. And uh, I'm, you know, this gentleman is in the program and has been for a really long time, blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, it's kind of like, and I'm sure we'll talk about kids a little bit in this episode, but it's kind of like when you're a parent before you parent, you say, oh, well, I'll never let my kids sleep in bed with me or I'll never... um, I'll, I'll never let them be on TV for more than 20 minutes or 30 minutes because it's not good for their brain. And you say all these things that you'll never do, right? And every single one of the things that I thought I would never do, I was like, here's the freaking iPad, watch whatever the heck you want. Go go YouTube all day. No. Um, so anyways, needless to say, I said I never, I don't want to date an alcoholic. And not only that, but I said they were as annoying as fuck and that they were selfish and self-centered and all this stuff (laughs) and he listened to it and then finally he told me oh 
my God. And then we listened to the episode driving home from a party. The three of us girls were together and we were driving home from a party. And it was probably the worst episode I've ever heard us do. Like we were all just, I don't even know what was going on in that episode. Like, I, I mean, it was, it was hilarious. So first thought wrong, never say never because this guy is really awesome. He's not annoying as F-U-C-K. And um, he, I don't know if he's selfish and self-centered yet. I mean, and, and here's the funny part. When I was saying that stuff, I'm also talking about me because I too am an alcoholic. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta take the good with the bad. So my new goal is to never say never again. Oh, I just did it. So my new goal is to be open-minded about everything in life because this guy is pretty awesome and I really like him and we'll see what happens. Well, I think um, after we met him last night, Vic, we gave our stamp of approval and he did give her enormous amounts of shit about it, which I am fully on board with because, you know, sometimes we need to be reminded of uh, our, our um, not so open-minded thinking. Uh, it was pretty funny. <clears throat> so today I'm so excited because we have a guest on here and it's actually a gentleman that I work with. See, I called you a gentleman that I work with and um, I work at a senior community center, which I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about before. And we do some really neat programming because the one thing that I've learned through working there and seeing the example of the seniors that stay they're really active. So they really keep busy with their minds as well. They're very open to always taking classes or kind of hungry for learning. So Jim, who's our guest today, uh, spearheads a lot of those classes. And he found a class. I'm not, I'm going to let him tell the whole deal, but our topic today is um, the science of well-being. So I looked up the definition of well-being, which is again, very multifaceted, as you would probably expect. And of course, I just lost my place, um, but it's the state of being comfortable, healthy or happy. And then uh, an extension of that that I saw was the well-being of a person is ultimately good for this person. So it's in contrast to thinking about what we want. It's really what's good for us, not what we want. So there's there's a little interesting twist to it. Um, so. Without further ado, Jim, who is um, the expert now on this, and he's going to tell you his story of how he found out about this class, how he has used it at work, and how it's kind of changed the way he looks at his well-being. Thanks for being Thank you here, for Jim. the introduction. Yeah, thanks for coming, gentlemen, and thanks for having me on the show. Uh, longtime listener, first-time caller. Uh, so <laughs> I had seen online that there was a course that Dr. Santos at Yale taught and it was called Psychology and the Good Life. And then it became the most popular course ever offered in Yale's 217 year history. So they decided to make it into an online course for free and kind of like adapt it into a, an eight week or 10 week course. And so I was looking at that and I thought, man, that would be so cool to offer to our seniors, but they are not exactly all tech savvy. Some are you know, really, really good. They have iPhones. They're, you know, buying things from their phone and other people don't even own computers. So I figured, what the heck, I'll email, you know, the professor, see if she emails. I really didn't expect her to, but I thought, you know, it's, it doesn't hurt to ask and just said, Hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a program director. Um, I was looking to offer this to our seniors and somehow adapt your course to something that I could do, you know, in person with them. 
uh, any help would be appreciated. And 20 minutes later, she responded and was like, sounds great. Let me get you in touch with uh, Belinda. She's the one that adapted this to our online course. She can help you. And a few hours later, she sent me all the materials, all the handouts. And so I basically turned it into like an eight-week PowerPoint presentation type thing. So we could have lectures in person and then do that with the seniors. Um, and I learned a lot doing it with the seniors. The first time we offered it, we had 31 participants. And it was too many. Um, one person at the end of it said, you know, I've been here for eight weeks and I knew two people coming in this class and I'm walking away knowing the same two people. And that kind of killed me <laughs> to hear that, but it was also really good feedback. So then we limited the participants to between 10 and 15. So it could be smaller, intimate groups. We shared a lot more at the beginning of every class. We talked about kind of our struggles or what we liked about the last week. And every week was, uh, they call them rewirements. Our brain is set up to really not enjoy things and not get the most out of life. We, we tend to gravitate toward things that don't make us happy. Um, and then the things that do, we ignore. So it's kind of changing your frame of reference and how you think so that you can really enjoy you know, life. So that's been pretty big for me and to see other people take the course too and get something out of it has been really neat. Um, even just learning about gratitude and you know, a lot of the things that you guys talk about, they talk about in the course as well. So it, um, it kind of just comes full circle with, I think any amount of trying to, I don't know, to better yourself. So what the heck, why do our brains do that? Cause we're stupid. <laughs> Like even, I mean, the, the cool thing about the course too is that they show the studies. So it's one thing to say like, oh, we set unrealistic reference points, but then to see the studies. And I think the best example of that is, I don't know if you guys remember Michaela Maroney. She was a gymnast that got silver. And so there was a meme, not impressed. And she was making the face. And it's, that, that's what we do. So with, if you win silver, your frame of reference is gold. So they found repeatedly that on the medal stand, the silver winner was visibly less happy than the bronze winner, which is crazy. Like you're the second best in the world at this thing, but bronze winner, their frame of reference is they almost won nothing. So they're thrilled. Silver, their frame of reference is gold. So they're second best. You know, they, they weren't quite good enough. And little things like that are like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. Or the more TV we watch, the more we tend to spend because the more stuff we think we need, um, the, un the unhappier we are about what we already have, the less grateful we are. So I, I really am fascinated by the psychology behind that and why we do certain things, but it, it makes it so practical in your everyday life where you're like, oh yeah, I do that all the time. And so, you know, being more mindful of it. And then obviously just because you know it doesn't stop you from doing those things, but it, I think it reinforces it so you're more inclined to make better decisions in the future. Well, and in, in, in the frame of reference of, of melding it with some of the things that we do in this program, and it's funny because all this brain science has been coming out and just proving whatever happened with Alcoholics Anonymous so to be so true, right? Um, and a lot of these are principles that many, many different um organizations or, or religions or whatever have, but, um, the whole gratitude thing I think is really quite amazing. But what I find so 
fascinating about that is it's that awareness and being aware that it's happening doesn't stop it from happening again. But the more we're aware, the more we can shift. And like a lot of the work that I do with energy and the body, and once we know where we feel it in our body, we can kind of sense it before it comes, right? And and we can be aware of it and be like, oh, I just was a jerk and I gossiped. And then next time, when we feel that feeling in that certain spot, like I always get it in the chest, right? Then I know, shut your mouth, don't say anything, pause and just walk away if you need to. (laughs) Right. I think the other neat part about this course is um, at the beginning of the course, you do something that's called finding your signature strengths. So there's 24 things that we all do or gravitate towards. Some are better at than others. And so it, allows you to see what you tend to gravitate towards or what you value the most. And those are generally things that you're best at, but it's also things you seek out in relationships or other people or in your job. And they found that the more signature strengths that you are able to um, get in your job, the more likely you are to call it your calling and not just a job. Um, So little stuff like that, you know, honesty, humor, those always were at the top of my list every time I took this test. And so I do find that I value that so much in other people. And the times that I am most triggered are when people are honest or, you know, so seeing that and understanding like, oh yeah, this is my thing. Like it drives me nuts when I don't get this or I can't wrap my head around it. So I would highly recommend the online course to anyone. Um, It's free and it's, it's neat to kind of just plug along with it and take your time and work on the requirements um, and see, you know, how it affects your life. I think it's interesting because I think humans generally are seeking um, an explanation for who we are and and why we do what we do. You know, the personality test, and that started with me in my uh, teen magazines, the, 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 the uh, relationship quiz that you would take, you know, when I was like 12, 13, 14, it's like, we've always, I think it's part of our human condition to want to understand why we do what we do. And now that we have this science that's finally caught up, you know, kind of to explaining or helping us to find our paths or to find uh, what gives us that sense of well-being. Because I love the idea of well-being, not just being what we think we want, because that's life. It's not what we think we want. Sometimes it's best for us, but understanding what's in your best interest you know, and by learning, like you said, those rewirements and learning what your strengths are, you kind of get it. You kind of understand, you know, I didn't think this was really a thing that I was drawn to, but now it makes sense why, even though I thought I didn't want to do this, I keep going back to that or, you know, whatever, to find that kind of contentment. Right. really interesting. Um, I do have a question for you, Jim, and this is just because I've like to think of all the different phases of our life of how we're learning and rewiring and reframing with the seniors. Did you feel like they were really um, open to reframing how they think about things or changing? Yeah, good question. Um, some more than others. I mean, you think of your typical, your, I would say your stereotypical older adult, they're set in their ways, you know, it is what it is. That's just how they are. But I think like anything else, you get what you put into it. So we had people that took it very seriously and you could tell, you know, they'd come in with notes, they did their homework, they like wrote down every activity they did that week. And then other people that you could tell just weren't as interested. 
Um, but yeah, some of them for sure, I, I think it resonated with and they took it to heart. Even something as simple as, um, you know, you guys talking about mindfulness. And so one of the requirements is meditation that they're finding we are terrible at focusing on one thing and being in the moment. We're always thinking about other things. And so one woman had a hard time sleeping and she tried the meditation before bed. And she had said prior to that, that she couldn't remember the last time she got more than four hours of sleep in a night. And the first time she did it, she already slept five. Next time she slept six and then seven. And that's a really extreme example. But that to me was something that was so cool that she was willing to give it a go because I have found of all the requirements, meditation was the most hated by the most amount of people that they just did not like trying it. So the fact that she was willing to try it and it worked and it helped and had very tangible results immediately, that was really cool to see and totally unexpected. That is so cool. Um, I've been, you know, the big proponent on here for how much meditation has changed my life in the last eight or nine months. And uh, I was just as reluctant to give it a go. And I, it's the fear. It's the fear of not knowing. It's the fear of doing it wrong, of being a failure. You know, all those things that we use, the excuses that we use to kind of protect ourselves um, is just a barrier. And um, it's really changed my life. Um, I think it's also cool that we can look forward to, even as we get older, to always having something new to learn. You know, that's, I think that is just very exciting because I am the oldest now in the bunch of us three. Um, I like the idea of having these seniors as my example of what I can keep, you know, doing and what I can keep learning. And I know Jim and I've talked about that quite a bit, that they really do set examples for us. Yeah, that, I think I'm most impressed, like you said at the beginning, of how much they're eager to learn like they're, it doesn't even matter the topic. They're just interested in learning and they're all in. So that to me, I, I hope that I continue doing that because that's really inspiring to see that they're like, oh, what is this? Okay, let's do it. And they're in, like, they're all in, ready to go. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, what's the funniest thing that happened when you were teaching? Oh, man. Um, I did, we did learn a lot about some people like quirks that they have, or um, I'm trying to think of a nice way of putting this. <laughs> some people are just not very nice and feel like, I don't know if entitled is the word, but maybe that the rules don't apply to them. So we had one, uh, one individual that was talking about his requirements for the week, but he just so happened to casually mention he was in Home Depot and that the uh, aisle was closed. And so he took it upon himself to open it back up, the little gate that was blocking it, he just opened it. And they were yelling at him that, sir, the aisle's closed. And he goes, no, it's not, I just opened it. And like he had zero care in the world for the rules. And so he was explaining how he's just a happy guy. And we're like, well, yeah, cause you don't pay attention to the rules around you. So we've had a few instances of that, of saying like, okay, I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing, but I'm glad you're in a good place mentally. Um, maybe not <laughs> such a bad thing to follow the rules every once in a while, but glad to hear it. So that I would say stories probably like that. 
What about, what are the other rewirements? So you said meditation, you said gratitude. What are some of the other activities? Sleep is one. Okay. I liked that one a lot. Uh, Savoring (laughs) uh, gratitude visits or gratitude letter. So writing someone who you haven't properly thanked. And I've tried to do that one every time I've taught the class. And that I will say of all the requirements is the most impactful that you get people that are crying and because it's, it's taking that time to formally thank someone for something. And it could be something simple, you know, like helping you through a rough period in your life, or it could be, you know, for always being there for me with X. So that one is really, really big. And I think gratitude is something in general that I'm trying to get better at not only thanking people, but allowing them to thank me because I find that I will dismiss it so quickly if they're like, oh, thanks for doing this. I'm like, oh, that's no problem at all. Or that's not a big deal that I'm kind of taking that gift from them. I'm not allowing them to be grateful. So I'm trying to be a lot more mindful of that, that if someone thanks me, it's okay to say you're welcome. Or if they pay me a compliment, I'm terrible at that. So just saying thank you, I'm I'm working on that. <laughs> Well, and, and, and you're right. It takes away that, um, that piece of, um, I mean, cause I think that's where the real connection is, is that when we get to help others and they get to be, feel important and heard and loved and the same goes for us. Right. Because sometimes I don't know how to receive. Right. And, and I think that is, um, something that has been just top of mind and top of conversation and something about the universe just keeps talking about receiving, 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 receiving compliments, receiving love, receiving feedback, good or bad, receiving, receiving, receiving. We're also into doing and being and giving, right? And not necessarily like output, right? Output. We're also used to output and results and getting it done and finding solutions instead of being in that moment of, oh, wow, this was really cool. I had this amazing connection with this other human being. And I just sat there and listened and hugged them and said, thanks, or vice versa. I allowed them to feel that. So I think, I think, I don't know, maybe COVID's part of it. I, I, cause I think we've all had to receive a little bit of help these days. Right. And, um, I love it. I love, I, I love that idea and I'm glad it keeps popping up because it's gonna, it, it helps me in my day every day when I'm aware of that, because I can be dismissive of compliments. I can be very dismissive of what I do because I'm just supposed to do that. I'm just supposed to be a nice person. And, um, when we take that away, like in the program, this is what, and I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, but this is when I, it dawned on me first, someone said, when you don't allow someone to give you a ride, that helps their recovery when they do something for others, right? That's one of the big aspects of recovery is, is helping others. And when you don't allow that, when you try to be like, oh, I got it. Oh, I'm okay. Then you're, you're not helping them in their recovery process. So I think it goes for everyone, um, allowing other people to be their best selves too. For sure. And you're not alone. I mean, everyone I think is so afraid of like inconveniencing someone or, you know, putting them out. So it's very easy to just dismiss really quickly or say no big deal or whatever, but thinking of how you feel, like you were saying, when you help someone, you feel good about yourself. If it's going out of your way to get someone a gift or, you know, Oh, I saw this and thought of you. 
it's a good feeling. So trying not to take that from other people. Yeah. That, I mean, it's small, but it, it can make a big difference. And I have a friend that showed, taught me something that was really cool recently. I have this thing, this bothering you, people, inconveniencing people. And I texted her because I needed help with something and I kind of needed it right then. And I said, if you can, you know, if you have time, please, you know, call me back. I'm on my way to this thing and blah, blah, blah. Right. And she called me back. And the first thing I said when she called me was, if you don't have time, it's okay. And she's like, Vicki, can you let me be my own boss and decide if I have time or not? And if I'm calling you, uh, let me know, like, know that I am a big girl and I can, I can talk about what time I have or what time I don't have. And I didn't realize that I was like, dismissing her ability to manage her own life. I mean, that's how playing small or playing like insignificant can impact your relationships. And I'm so grateful to have friends that, that say that out to me because I never thought of me doing that. And I think I do that just by habit. I think I just do that. If you don't have time, it's okay. We don't have to talk too long. Bree, you do that a lot to me too. Like we are so the same in our little quirkiness, but like when you call me, I know you might not have time. I know you're busy. And maybe we just take that out and let the, let the person decide if they have time. Right. Cause if your friend called you, she has time. So then like the first two minutes of your conversation is like, are you sure? Is this okay? Like, oh, yeah, what that's is what that? what's up? Let's just cut to the chase. What's going on? When my sister calls me at work, she said, are you busy? I said, always, but what you got? Right, <laughs> I'm always right. busy, but I always have time for her, you know? And it's funny because it is making ourselves less significant, less important when we do make ourselves small. Um, and we all do it, dang it. And that's what I love, this idea of rewiring, <laughs> uh, rewiring how, like, it's our wagon wheel ruts. And mine, part of it is culture. Part of it is not having tools to give myself the space and importance that I need to for my life to, you know, to be as important as the next one. I'm not saying more important. I'm just saying equally important. We had a reading this morning, and I love the first line. It basically was to me telling me to give myself grace for not always knowing what the right thing was to do because now I do have time for it and space for it and I'm learning and that's what I love about this idea of learning the science of well-being no I didn't always know the language it's like I never knew what I didn't know I didn't know what I didn't know now I'm getting the opportunity to learn those things and I can use it not just for myself but Hopefully, maybe through example with other people, like Vicki said, when, when she is an example of giving herself the importance that she deserves, then somebody might pick up on that and, and pay it forward. Because that also is a thing that we learned with the program that we use is um, paying it forward. You know, it's we're always going to give that gift ahead. You have to give it away to, to keep it or to have it. So very cool. And the other thing I was going to ask you, Jim, was how it's changed your life. But you kind of already explained how it's made you more mindful and more grateful. But, you know, in your interactions with your family, because you do have a very, very busy family life, which we got to see at the beginning of the podcast. Um, how is it changing things for you or how has it? See the savoring. That's one of the requirements. And I try to take moments like that sometimes and almost like separate myself from my body and just like enjoy the moment. Like it's crazy, 
but sometimes that's the best part or you know i have a five-year-old and a three-year-old so the amount of ridiculous conversations we're having about like no you okay you can poop with your socks on or you know like it's just silly things that i'm like i can't believe i'm having this conversation so sometimes you just <laughs> at, have at to three blend. in the morning no less at three oh, in the yeah, morning right right <laughs> So yeah, it's it's not always easy uh, when it, when you're tired or when you're you know had a rough day to be like no we can't pee on the ants because that's just not what we do. Um, so it, I I like the savoring part and the thing about the class too is like it's it's nothing that's that earth shattering or you know there's a few things that are counterintuitive a little bit I would say but the overwhelming majority of it is like well yeah this seems so obvious. And so to be reminded of it, and I think to have it make sense where you look at it and you go, yeah, that is true. Just being reminded of it helps. So I, I think, you know, just like anything in life, you know, like we said, you get what you put into it, but to be, I'd say reminded of some of these things or bring you back to earth every once in a while, because it's easy to, to get overwhelmed and to fixate on things that aren't important. So to kind of, reset your mind and get back to a good place I think is good and we don't focus on ourselves as much as we should um, and th I think that's so great that you guys do this podcast and how mindful you are because the average person doesn't take that much time to think about themselves or their actions or to better themselves so I think that's awesome what you guys are doing and you know how often are you going to focus on your happiness usually it's Oh, I got to do laundry or, you know, my kids need something or someone else. You're always focusing on someone else. So to take, even if it's an hour a day or 20 minutes a day, whether it's meditation or the happiness class, I think to do something for you and your betterment is huge. And I think that's another piece of the relationship puzzle, right? Because sure. when you're not happy because you're doing everything for everybody else and you're exhausted and you're drained, you're not showing up very lovable. You're kind of showing up like a crab, like at least for me, but when I am working on myself and when I am putting in um, positive or just time or taking a bath or taking a walk, when I do those things, it just, it, it's such a simple thing and it makes such an impact in how I show up with my kids or how I show up with my friends. And, and I think when, it, when we make ourselves sacrifice so much, it's inevitable that we're going to be a little bit crabby or grouchy or uncomfortable or, or not so nice. 100%. Here, here. Love it. Does anybody have any questions? Oh, I know. So there was one more thing that I had a conversation with Tulsi a couple of weeks ago, and this really does tie into your state of well-being. She was telling me she's had like some life changes and she's been living with her dad and it's been a challenge for them to reacquaint themselves to a closer relationship physically and mentally. So, um, you know, like with anything there, there's some growing pains and some adjustments. So Chelsea, I'm gonna let you tell the story because it is so freaking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Lynn. Yeah. It's interesting as an adult, um, my stepmother passed away in October and with COVID, I was living with some roommates and just the life situation made sense. You know, I really felt like it made sense for me to move back in with my dad, help him get through this household of items we had, but in living together and spending 24 seven together, um, cause I'm working from home. Um, it's really 
kind of brought me full circle, you know, in terms of, of my thinking, just, you know, the, uh, some of the conflicts we had when I was younger and now kind of understanding him as an adult. Um, so we we're, we're very similar, but very different. Um, he's, he's more of kind of the, the, um, the type of person that directs things all the time is always giving direction. Um, I kind of called him the field commander because he's always in charge of everything, verbalizing everything. And we were in the car, we were going to do some grocery shopping and it was just this constant stream of, you know, the to-do list and how I'm driving and where I'm going. And I got so stressed out, you know, and I'm obviously in recovery as I was an, an alcoholic. I was a smoker. I was all kinds of things, an overeater. And I was in the car and just this feeling of like, I really want to drink and smoke because he's driving me crazy. So I literally rolled down the window and just started to smoke an imaginary cigarette, which stopped him in his tracks because he thought, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, just please give me a moment here. I'm right at stoplight and I'm just, <laughs> and wouldn't you know it? I felt a lot better, like literally just taking those. Bre- I mean, and it shut him up immediately because he thought, okay, you're crazy. So <laughs> it was like a two for one, um, but it was amazing. And, <laughs> and it, but it kind of re- rewired my brain, you know, the well being of just getting that, that, that like oxygen into the brain. Well, I'll tell well, you, that is so funny that you said that because I always, as a server, right? As a server. And I'm sure Brie and Lynn can relate to this. Uh, when you're stressed out at work and you get that moment where you just dropped your checks and you can run out to the back and you can smoke your butt. And, um, and, and I think, I really think it has something to do with breathing, even though you're putting carcinogens and all these ucky chemicals, but I think that like ability to take a breath or something to it. So I like your I rolled down the window, you know, like the whole thing. I had to set the set the stage. That's incredible. (laughs) And the best part was when she was telling me, and she said her dad goes, "Huh, okay, weirdo." But it worked. It stopped all of that. It stopped all the ick. It stopped, you know, him talking. It stopped her thinking. It stopped everything. And, you know, we always say move a muscle, change a thought. Well, smoke an imaginary cigarette. (laughs) Shut somebody up. (laughs) Loved it. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Does anybody um, have any more questions for Jim or want to share a golden nugget? I just want to say thanks to Jim. Um, I think my golden nugget is just that this course, you know, we take, I guess we take it for granted being in the program. Like a lot of the stuff we, we learn being in the program, but um, you know, when, when newcomers come in, I think about one lady who's relatively more new within the last couple of months sharing it. And every time she shares that in meeting, she's like overwhelmed with emotion because she's learning this stuff. And she's so grateful because this isn't stuff that people are taught. I feel I, I feel like sometimes the younger generations, it's it's more because it, it's kind of maybe sometimes trending right now, this whole idea of like well-being and gratitude and happiness and meditation. But um, for people who are like my parents age, which is probably the type of age that of people who are taking this class, it's not something that they were raised to like show feelings and to have these um, coping mechanisms for life. And it was like, you're going to go to work, you're going to do the job that you do. And who cares if you're happy doing it and you're going to go home and you're going to be the parent and who cares what you, you know, this is how you parent and this is the right way to do things and the wrong way to do things. 
And so to break some of these patterns for people, I, I can only imagine that you probably have some people who get pretty emotional doing some of these exercises and participating in your class. I would think, I mean, I don't know, um, because I see, you know, the people who come into the program when they start doing this stuff for the first time and taking care of themselves and being able to have these reflective moments, it's like extremely beautiful, you know, them breaking down and building themselves up again and, and them knowing that there's so much freedom and it's like a whole nother life and gift that you give yourself to be able to have these moments of awareness and growth and stuff like that. So I think it's just awesome what you're doing and you're able to give a, this gift to people um, who aren't in the program and who have never grown up probably feeling like they were like had any of these tools or were allowed to do this for themselves, you know? And especially with the last year, I don't know that anyone's knocked the last year out of the park. You know, everyone's struggling with something or, you know, depression, anxiety is going way up and it's all ages. You have kids with social media that are constantly comparing themselves to other people or, you know, you look on Facebook or Instagram, you're comparing yourself to someone's best moment or best day. That's not reality. So we all do it all the time. And so to have this ability to, yeah, kind of refocus your goals and what you want to do, I think anyone could benefit from, regardless of the age. Um, I uh, thank you, both of you, uh, Bree. First, I think when you were talking about how we, sometimes if we watch too much TV, we suddenly start either comparing ourselves or wanting more, buying more, our lives aren't fulfilled. And I didn't even realize how much I probably do that. It's really those subconscious things. Because, you know, I was a kid in the 70s where TV was our babysitter. Um, we were, you know, given a key to the house if we had a key to the house because we didn't lock our house at my place. And, you know, it was just a thing. And I didn't realize how much that really changes things. And then the other part of this that I would um, that I would add, Jim, is that since you have been teaching this class, it's been really cool to see the evolution of how you have um, had it change your life. And it has been things, I remember you telling me about writing some letters and how it made such an impact. And that's just such a good example for all of us to remember if somebody made a difference in your life, it's okay to tell them. It's okay to say, hey, you really did this amazing thing for me and I still remember you for it. And that's just gonna, it's gonna make you feel better. But beyond that, it's probably gonna make that person's day. But Jim, it's been really cool to see how those things have really um, changed you and made you more aware, more grateful, more present, all those cool things. Thank you. Okay, my golden nugget, I have, I have two. One is that when I grow up and I get to be that age that I am still doing this stuff and that I, I, I want someone like you, Jim, to be there and, and I want to let you, because you get to get all this stuff while your kids are still little, right? When my kids were little, I was busy getting high and drunk, right? And I mean, I was there and I had fun moments. I'm not going to, I wasn't a tear, like it, it wasn't so, so bad, but it was, I was not, I did not think in gratitude. I thought in like, oh, this is work. And I was tired, like we were talking about, but the best note, golden nugget of the whole episode is not being able to poop with your socks on. <laughs> that is the greatest thing I've ever heard. And I can totally see, I can see it. It happens. Like, that's awesome. 
true story. <laughs> well, I would say uh, in closing for you guys too, because I've listened to several of your podcasts and I've said this to Shufflin or sorry, Lynn, as you know her. Um, but <laughs> I think you guys are so hard on yourselves sometimes. You know, you talking about, you know, you being a mom, everyone's dealing with stuff. Everyone's just not honest about it. You guys are honest about it. So it's okay to, you know, pat yourselves on the back sometimes. You know, everyone's doing the best that they can and everyone is struggling, especially right now. So I really commend you guys for how open and honest you are in such a public forum because this would be tough for anyone to do. And you guys are admitting mistakes. The fact that you lead with first thought wrong every episode like that, that speaks volumes. So kudos to you guys. And thank that's so a much, gift Jim. of, thank you. Oh, I'm sorry, Shefflin. That's a gift of sponsorship. You know, that's a gift of the program. I mean, um, I learned very early on. That's what my sponsor used to tell me, Miss Pam. She used to be like, Vicki, go to the table and tell on yourself. That's the only way you get well, <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's a gift. It's a gift and it's not easy and fun and embarrassing many moments like mine today, but it keeps me well. It keeps me well. So thank you for letting me off the hook a little bit. I'll give myself an added girl today. Thank you again, Jim. It's been so much fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> you want to try out, Jim? Sure. <laughs> what do I do? I just say try about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Try about. Try about. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Telling on Ourselves. Please rate, review, share, subscribe, download our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you want more Telling on Ourselves, please find us and follow us and like us on Instagram and Facebook at Telling on Ourselves. Tribe out.